0: The Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. When you know the truth from the Word of God, and I encourage you to read the Word of God, just read it. Even if you meditate on it, certainly, but read the Word of God. Just read. Take a certain little bit if you need and just read the Word of God every day. It's a real protection from the assaults the enemy is coming against people today. Know the truth. The truth is, is the enemy is trying to take us out. We've mentioned that. He's working hard. And he'll take just a little bit, a little bit of a lie. And he always perverts the truth of God. And he'll take a little lie and he'll begin to expound on it. And you'll believe that and then you'll believe more. And before long, you're held captive by his lies. And he lies real well because he's the father of all lies. But Jesus is coming back again. We need to focus on that. Two men were standing by the side of a highway holding up a sign that read, The end is near. Turn around now before it's too late. As cars came by, they would lift the sign high and point to the words. And the first car that came down the road slowed down and yelled at the men to leave us alone, you religious nuts. The car then sped up and took off down the highway. And from around the curve, the two men heard screeching tires and a big splash. And one man looked at his buddy and said, Do you think we should just make a sign that says, The bridge is out? (laughs) need to heed these warnings you know these religious nuts that are on street corners and all and so forth well Kelly actually does that there's a street ministry and going out because she loves Jesus and she wants to share the good news with people when we step out in faith, and when we walk by faith, certainly God will give us opportunities, and that's why we're here. And obviously, whenever we hear the phrase, the end is near, many of us think of those religious nuts on the street corner that are preaching. You see the signs, certainly. And we say, well, you know, Jesus hasn't come back. In all these years, and sometimes what happens is we become passive. We become kind of lazy in our Christian walk and not looking for the soon return of Jesus Christ. No man except the Father knows. Certainly the Father knows when that time will be. But we do know the season that it will be. And I believe we could be in that season. I believe some of us sitting here in this room today could see Jesus come back and rapture the church out today. We'll be taken out right before the great tribulation. And I know the Greek word for tribulation actually means pressure, but the things that will happen during the tri- tribulation, take a look at the book of Revelation. If you don't know what I mean, take a look and just read that. The Bible says whoever reads the book of Revelation actually will be blessed. So if you just read it and you say, I don't understand all the symbolism and so forth. God will reveal it as He desires. You can study and so forth. But if you just read it, the Bible says that actually you will be blessed. So we need to obviously take heed to these things that we see could be coming on us because we're told that the end will come like a thief, 2 Peter chapter 3. But for Christians, Jesus tells us that we should be found found ready for His coming in Matthew 24. It says, so... You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you don't expect Him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the Master has put in charge of the servants in His household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. And I tell you the truth, He will put him in charge of all of his possession. When you're faithful with the small things and the things God has given you, he will give you more responsibility. A couple themes here I want to look at today. Number one is Jesus is coming back soon. But the other thing is, is, how are we responding? Are we building our lives on the foundation of these true truths? The doctrine Jesus obviously came into the world to save sinners from their sins. And the second is that he is going to come back again and we need to be ready. We need to live our lives in view of the future that he's coming back together to uh, gather his church today. He's coming back again. We'll either be raptured out of here or actually when he comes back then is the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then those who remain will be caught up in the heavens with him and we shall be with the Lord forever and ever. He says so encourage one another with these things. And so there was an encouragement that God gave us by keeping those things close in our heart that Jesus Christ is coming back again. Some of the background here in this particular church there, the Thessalonian church, is Paul started the church there, the Thessalonian church, during his second missionary journey. And we read about it in the book of Acts chapter 15 here. And so as we look at this, if you'll look, and someone may may turn to Acts chapter 17. Hold your place in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, if you would, and turn up back to Acts chapter 17. And if you would, read about four or five verses there, one of you, and then the the other read verses uh, 5 through verse 9. Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. Read half someone, and then someone else read the other half, please. Paul and his companions had passed through Camp you no Paul They came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. <coughs> this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. Verse 5 through 9 somewhat. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. They made Jason and the other post bond and let them go. Amen. There is extreme opposition that will come to those who stand for Jesus Christ. We don't have the opposition here in this country anywhere like what we see in other countries. But the estimate actually in 2016 is that 90,000 Christians were martyred in 2016 alone. So there are more being martyred now than ever before. We don't have that. We've been blessed and we've been protected. I do believe that the church here in this country will be persecuted. But I do know in other countries they're being persecuted even as we speak. And I'll share some more about that on some facts of someone who's been in different countries and will be able to share with that. The foundation here is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And if you're going to live a godly life, you have to have your life grounded upon the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the question is whether or not He is Lord of your life. Does He have complete control of your life? Do you know He owns every possession? Not your possessions and not mine. There He is. Have you ever offered Him up to Him To just take them and do with him as he pleases. Have you ever done that? Actually your possession. Your car, your home, your family, your life. Every part of that. Because if Jesus is Lord, he is Lord over all. And he must have full control. He must have full surrender from his children if he's going to fulfill what he desires to do. But to have that belief and to walk in that and not just believe it intellectually, but to walk and be followers of Jesus to be disciples of Christ, to be willing to lay our lives down for Jesus if necessary, whatever it may be. Again, people all over the world, that's happening to now because they have a focus on the Lord and they know that Jesus is coming back again. But we here in the Western church, we don't believe that a whole lot or we don't talk about it. Or we, we kind of say, yeah, 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 and we sort of give it a, a, a nod and so forth. And then we move on. But I want to tell you, it is a very, very serious, it's a very, very uh, obviously somber, somber thing that we need to have in our hearts knowing Jesus is coming again. Because a belief is that to inherit an eternal life and to live in a godly life, we have to believe that Jesus Christ, he came the first time, and he's coming back again. Every chapter of 1 Thessalonians includes some type of aspect of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ here. And obviously, we know we see here there was a lot of confusion, and there is even today, of Jesus coming back again, and Paul actually hopes to correct and clarify in his letter. Actually, that those need to you need to live, you need to live a more godly life, and you need to have these particular beliefs because what you do and how you live your life actually stems from what you believe. If you believe that obviously you are free because the truth has set you free, then you'll live in that freedom. If you believe halfway that maybe you sort of got free or maybe, you know, the enemy is still hanging on here and there and you don't believe the truth, then you'll walk in that bondage. And many Christians today walk in that bondage for all of their days because they don't know the truth. Look at Romans chapter 6. You have to believe that because we know that obviously that what we believe actually will evolve into how we live our lives if you know jesus right now could come back that he could burst through the clouds i mean down deep in your heart i'm talking about not just sort of intellectually but down in your heart deep in your soul that you believe jesus could come back would we act the way that we sometimes act if we really knew that and believe that i don't think i would He could come back. He heard what I said or maybe thought or whatever it may be. Do we really believe that? So again, what you believe will somehow transfer into how you live your life. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus could come back at any moment here. And so we obviously, I want to look at these things. If you'll look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, somebody read that verses, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, please. Grace and peace to you. Thanksgiving for the Thessalonians' faith. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and our Father, and Father, your work reduced by faith your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Number one, the first thing is a faith that works here. We continue to remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. Now, you say, wait a minute. Isn't faith just something you believe and you believe here? Yes, it is. But in James, we know it says that faith without works is dead. In other words, that we work and we do the things that we do out of our love for Jesus Christ. So it's not dead. The two go hand in hand. We are not saved by our works, but we know we work because of our faith. We know we serve the Lord because of our faith. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. These Thessalonians have a faith that is real and it's causing them to work and live and put forth effort for the kingdom of God. Now, in the Greek, work actually equals occupation. It's translated there. And so what they're saying here is the Thessalonians that are serving the Lord in faith That serving the Lord in faith is their primary work. It is what they are to do. And how they make money is just something that is is able to support them doing ministry work. But ministering is their primary occupation. Think about the church today and how we live our lives. And what we do is is that we work, 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 work in this uh, workplace. Nothing wrong with work. We need to pay the bills. But according to the calling on a believer in Jesus Christ, our occupation should be ministry. I mean, there's a sort of a a, a belief, a doctrine of the laity, so to speak, in that way. We are all called to ministry. And so we should be ministering. In other words, when you get up in the morning... Your prayer and my prayer should be, Lord, what are we going to do today? Who are you going to send my way that I can minister to? How can I help somebody today? How am I going to reach out today and, and do this what you've called me to do? Okay. But what we do is we get up and say, boy, I'm telling you what, I got a boy at boss. He's got me loaded today. He's got me loaded down, and I don't know how I'm going to get this done and, and all this stuff. Our first thought goes to how we can make a paycheck. And actually, what God is saying here, the Thessalonians knew that their primary work was the work of the ministry here. And making money was a side issue. Oh, that completely looks different for the Western church, doesn't it? And how they make money is just something that, again, that they're able to support what they are doing. Now, this greatly encourages Paul because it shows that they do have an understanding of the vital importance of sharing their faith Because if the message, listen to this, if the message of Jesus does not get out and is not believed, then real people are going to hell. He knew that if the message that you and I have, because we know the truth, if you're saved in this place today, you know the truth. The real message doesn't get out. And we know real people will be going to hell. The people all around me in my neighborhood that not I'm sure don't know Jesus, they're not on church. They're not going to church. You got people here on 3rd Street right on this old area of the Lake City that don't know Jesus Christ. You got children in the streets on Sunday afternoon and they didn't attend church on Sunday morning. <coughs> Dolores, what did your little girl there say that you told me? Would you share it with us? Natalie told me her, her, her mama usually takes her to her church on Sundays and today since I had Ray Lynn with me she decided, she told her mama she says, I want to go with Andy because we get to go up front and we get to sing Jesus loves me Ooh. Everybody hear that? Uh, can you miss it can you I want to tell you that blesses my life okay what do we have 4 will don't make any difference there's four that somehow we're teaching about the kingdom of God about Jesus Trust me this I know and to know that they come they want to sing that song and we sing through that every week and sometimes I know we go out, do it as rote and we do go through it I don't know I always sing it because I believe something's happening but to see these little children come in this place. Because we have the gospel. We know Jesus is coming back again. Amen. And to know these little ones are getting the truth down deep in their hearts. It moves me. And all of you have a part of that. But I just want to say to you today. Take seriously what God is doing in the earth today. There's still time for you and I. To say, Lord, I'll work and labor for you because that's what they were doing here. Faith that was pr- producing that work there. The Jesus is here. With The Messiah came here. You know, but it seems so different in the church today where many think that faith is something that we know is for the weekend and that we can't bring it, our faith outside the church walls or even have it interfere with our work. And you hear so many people today that are, Kind of coming under condemnation from from their bosses and their workplace because they set a Bible on the corner of their desk. Or maybe they said, Can I pray with you? Maybe somehow they they share their faith and maybe they lose their jobs or whatever it may be. Folks, time is short. We don't have time to continue to mamby-pamby about this or whether or not the government likes this or the government doesn't like this. We need to be obedient to what the Word of God says. And that is we're called to minister to people and allow God to f- fulfill those financial obligations we have. And we're living the way God wants us to live, let me tell you, he's going to take care of it anyway. Mm-hmm. But we're here today. And real people are going out into hell without Jesus Christ. We often view our work as the primary importance and our faith as secondary, even further down on the list. And not only behind work, but behind leisure and enjoyment also. Many people today. You go down here to Kema. I've said it and used it because I sat out there one day and I'll never forget it. These big, huge thousand dollar yachts that go out into the bay, one right behind the other, and I said, Lord, there's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And none of them have many times have stepped foot in the church. Because we hey, want my enjoyment. As church doesn't save you. But you need this. You need the church, let me tell you. And I need the church today. God instituted it. And the reason why he said in Hebrews, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. But you encourage one another as you see what the day approaching. In China, I was listening to a guy that was given a report because he goes into China and he establishes and helps support the ministers there in China because it's sort of an underground church, but the church in China is exploding. Approximately twenty-eight to 30,000 people per day are coming to Jesus Christ in China alone. Twenty-eight to 30,000 are coming per day. And when they were asked, how long do you think this can last? And he said, I don't know. But he said, it started over 20 years ago. And it's been like that ever since, every day. And so this pastor and missionary said... I, I need to know what are you doing because the Western church needs to get out of their comfort zones and share the gospel. I need to know what you're doing. Is there a methodology or maybe is it a Madison, Madison Avenue type of technique or, or how is that? What, do, what is it you do? Because I'm sure he, he got his pad out then and was, was waiting to write down what that, what that Chinese pastor said who was pastoring like thousands of people were under his particular authority. And he said two things. And probably not what this missionary thought that he would say. He said number one was prayer. And the second thing was persecution. There was no methodology. Prayer and persecution actually brought many, many people into the kingdom of God. And so what the Chinese are doing now, and y'all, if you're familiar with it, that the Christian community has set up a particular area which call, is called the 1040 window. Y'all may have heard of it. And actually it is a, an area through, if you look down at the world on the map, it's an area like through uh, Egypt and the Middle East and all through uh, India and through there. And it's where the largest number of people that have never been reached with the gospel live. And so many missionaries are focusing upon that particular area in the world to share and go in and share the gospel. You know what's happening? Is Chinese missionaries are going into this particular area of the world to evangelize and to share the love of Jesus with them. If you remember many years ago, And I won't go into what it was like, but maybe look it up. The Boxer Rebellion that took place in China. And actually, a lot of the things that happened there actually uh, kind of like there, there was opposition to Christianity and so forth. What God has done supernaturally is is taking the head guy, if he's not the prime minister or whoever it is, it's wing or wing or wind, and changed his heart, and he's allowing this to happen. And it's done supernaturally to where we're not sure whether he understands what he's doing or not, because there's extreme persecution of Christians in China today. And yet God, by his supernatural power, has turned it around, and these missionaries are going into this part of the world that need to know about Jesus today. We have the truth here in this country, church. We have the truth of the Lord. And you and I need to know our primary calling is to be a minister. Our primary calling is to be equipped in ministry to go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit And to share the good news with people to encourage them in their faith and to go. That's our primary column. Jesus is coming back again. The second thing is, what's the difference between work produced by faith and labor prompted by love that he talks about there? The word labor... Is different from the word translated work in that labor carries the implication of pain or toil, hard work or sacrifice versus more of an occupational work, okay? Pain, labor, straining. The second phase is talking about a laboring or sacrifice that is prompted by that agape love for people who desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ so that they will not be entering an eternity apart from Christ in hell where the Bible says there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. So their primary purpose was to labor intensely to give their whole being to this, as it may be said, to completely give of yourselves because we're talking about salvation. The labor that is prompted by love here and sharing the the good news of Jesus coming the first time, but also saying he's coming back again. And these Thessalonians had a correct view that Jesus is going to be coming back. And there are people who are dying before he comes back who have not trusted him as their savior. And they were willing to labor, to sacrifice out of love, to save those who were perishing The old hymn, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. That's what we're to do. They had a love for people, an agape love like God has for us. A love that is so intimate and close. He loves us. Jesus does love us. But somehow we should be working out of that. I want to tell you, this is where Satan comes in and he seeks to focus on things other than eternity of those without Christ. And when we lose that focus, that focus that people without Christ will be going to hell, we, we somehow get off track here. And obviously, the focus has to be that Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. And if this is not that urgent, we really aren't too willing to make sacrifices, to labor. That others can also, you see, where that focus has to be. You see why I bring this up today, and saying today our hearts had to sort of like readjust, and saying, yes, I'm so glad, I'm so glad, I'm so glad that Jesus set me free. We sang it, but I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to share other problems. Share with other people who have many, many issues here. But our focus has to be fixed upon Jesus. On his sacrifice and on his imminent return. When we are living with that view and future, sacrifices don't seem to be sacrifices, do they? The problem is, is we're too comfortable. We've got too much. I was sitting in my living room yesterday. And I thank God for the blessings I have. God has blessed Cindy and I beyond measure. And I was sitting there and I was reflecting upon the thing and saying, Lord, I have so much stuff. I've got it. You know, we're so comfortable here and all and so forth. But don't let me get comfortable in my salvation to where I don't want to share it with other people who don't know you. Don't let me sort of become laissez-faire and just sort of hunker down because I can sit in my easy chair. I can do all these things. But the Bible says that without works, your faith will produce works. And without (laughs) works, your faith is dead. What are we doing? Are we working to that end? You say, but I don't know what to do. Ask God. He'll show you. He's got plenty for you to do. He's real good about it if you're willing to step out. But it may take your sacrifice. It may take my sacrifice. I may have to just move on in a place I never thought I would be. You may have to meet people you never thought you'd meet. You may have to say things from your heart that you're scared to death about saying today. Ask God to give you holy boldness and get out of that comfort zone today because people are perishing and they're going to hell. We've got to labor for the Lord, don't we? I've told this story many times. Because I think it's so illustrative of how God has used people. You remember when I first started going to Quito, Ecuador, and that man came into Pastor Nestor's office, and um, he wasn't a Christian. he gave him a bunch of money and said, "Here, I don't know why you're God, because I don't believe in your God." But your God is telling me to give you money to go out and feed the children in San Antonio outside of Quito in South America. Okay. It's called San Antonio. You all have heard me of it. And so what they did was is they began to take these pails, plastic pails of food with lentils, ground beef, and rice. It was about that big. Enough, a whole bunch of them. They'd fix it up. And every Saturday afternoon, they would go out there on dirt roads, they had cinder block houses, and these old little motley children dressed, had little t-shirts on and so forth, and, and who knows when they'd had a bath or whatever. And they would go out and, and the, the, even the roads were rocky and hilly, and you know, and they were standing in front of like a, uh, an old abandoned storefront, and they would share Jesus with them and have a, like a mini worship service. And they would give them these pails of food after the worship service. And they taught them about Jesus. Saturday after Saturday after Saturday after Saturday, faithfully the vans came to teach the children about Jesus. And as they were faithful, now God has supplied three buildings given them they bought property and there's three a building complex. Very, very modestly done. But every Friday night the children come. The children come. And they preach and teach about Jesus. Probably about 30. And they gather around. And they are small ones. The ones that accepted Christ have grown up in that since that ministry has started. And they've grown up. And who knows, they may be out somewhere working or wherever. But now they've got a new group. And every Friday night, every Friday night, every Friday night, every Friday night, they go out and feed them squashed up plantains with a fried egg, what I had when I was there. And they eat. And they learn about Jesus. And now what they're doing is, as I mentioned here a couple weeks ago, is... As Andrea emailed me and said pray for us we're actually going from door to door through the whole community there and, and talking knocking on doors and putting flyers on there and, and inviting them to come to church and they're inviting the adults to come to church they always have but the, the adults haven't but you see what happens is, is the changing of these little ones hearts will somehow get over into the, in their families and make that difference okay so those children now have grown up, and their parents, and they're going around now, getting adults come to church day in day out. walk in the neighborhood, big place, <clears throat> and right there where San Antonio is, at the bottom of a volcano. At the top of the volcano, they worship Satan up there. Literally, they worship Satan. I call that laboring in love. I call that sacrificing every weekend, every weekend to share. And God has blessed them with a building complex that they can go in. They were sowing seeds. God has rewarded those sowing seeds. Are you sowing seeds? Are you willing to sacrifice? Because the church here in in Thessalonica they were willing to sacrifice because they knew they were called to be ministers. Many people, you see the Western church today, so often they have said, that's the pastor's job. Leave it up to the pastor. It's not my job. It's the church's job. Yes, I am the lead and I am the equipped. And yes, I will fulfill my responsibilities, but not all my job. It's the church's job. And unless the church rises up today, real people won't hear the real message and real people will go to hell. Why is it that we're waiting upon the Lord? I believe it's because in 2 Peter chapter 3, the Lord's not slow in keeping His promise. As some understand slowness, He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You see, we need to realize the fact that Jesus has not returned yet, enabling us and giving us more time. And if you're sitting there today and the Lord has said, I want to work for the Lord and do what I can, I may not be able to do exactly what I did when I was 20, but I'm going to do what I can do. Let me give you right now an encouraging word. There's still time. There's still time. I mentioned last week, the Holy Spirit doesn't age, does He? He's not older. We are. And the power of God is still the same in you and me who believe and put our trust in Jesus. Because one day we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will give an account for what we've done for Him. Not the great white throne judgment which is based upon obviously if you're not saved but the judgment seat of Christ. And the things that Jim Barcliff, and the things that you've done for the Lord that were Spirit-led and Spirit-motivated and all, they will last. Those things that weren't and we did out of the flesh, they'll be burned up. The children out there today, You leave here and look at the streets who are not in church, have never heard the word of God. We've got a gap of people that don't know Christ. But there's still time. You remember a couple weeks ago I said I had a vision of a stork. I kept asking the Lord. I said, "Lord, what does it mean? I want to know what it means." A revelation. The Lord gave me a picture in my mind. I said, "What does it mean?" Remember the stork with the bird, kind of like oh, we're having somebody having a baby, and the satchel out there from his beak, its beak. And I said, "Lord, what is it? What is it?" And I said, "Well, let's let's Google it. <laughs> I want to tell you, don't Google it. <laughs> <laughs> don't Google that. You've got." You got everything haywire and Google. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ask the Lord. He'll show you if you wait on him and listen to him and keep asking him. And I kept asking and asking. And he gave me the, the remember the, the symbol, the, what, what it actually meant. And he remember, he's ushering in new birth all over the world. He's releasing new birth all over the world. That initial born again and those. But also, <clears throat> he's birthing something in your heart, and my heart. And the question is, are we willing to sacrifice and to be a part of what God is doing as God begins to deliver that new birth? Are you willing? God called us to have an uh, opportunity for rewards. We will be rewarded. And we will rule. In Revelation chapter 1, we will, be, we will rule as priests. Do you believe that? Look at Revelation. Look at the first chapter. We will rule with him. And it will be based upon what you and I have done here on this earth. Those things that were sin and those things that were flesh, they'll be burned up in the fire. But the things you've done for the Lord, they will last forever and ever and ever. <coughs> but we will rule with Jesus. Do you believe it? The Bible says so. We will reign and rule with him one day. Jesus will be on his throne and we will be worshiping him and we will be praise in his name. There's still time. But I believe time could be short. God created us and called us for a divine destiny. Are you fulfilling your destiny? Are you fulfilling what the world has called you to do and what feels good? There's a divine destiny that God is calling you and I to. We will one day rule and reign with Jesus, Revelation 1 verses four through7. In the judgment seat of Christ is 2 Corinthians 5:10. I want to tell you today what you believe somehow flow over into how you act and how I act. What I focus on on a regular basis will somehow Permeate into what I do and how I act every day. The question is, are we acting in faith and stepping out as the Spirit leads? Are we sort of sitting back waiting for somebody else to do it? I don't want to sit back and wait. The time is short. I don't know how many years I have left. I may not have any time left. I could die right now. But the question is, what are we doing for Christ? What are we doing to somehow share the, the real message to real people that without that message, they're doomed and they're going to hell? What are we doing? I believe, I've told you, I believe the full gospel. I believe the word of God. And I believe that we can be filled, so filled with the Spirit That we will step out and do things we never thought we would do because of maybe our personalities or maybe somehow we have not seen that before. God's on the move, and He's working things that we would would. He says, "Call upon Me, and I'll show you great and mighty things that you could never imagine." I got a report here recently of a particular ministry that they've actually seen in Mexico, over 500 people raised from the dead. You go, whoa, wait a minute, Jim. Now, when you're ready to die, when God's ready to call you, you think we need to go. But the devil's trying to take people out. I don't believe in this day and time. That God is saying, what's my church going to do? And God gives you a prompting. And says you need to pray for this person. Whether it be healing, whether it needed deliverance, I see people today that need to be delivered of demonic bondage. Whether or not it be to raise the dead, that's what the Bible says. I can't refute it. And so let's believe what God says, and not believe what the enemy says. The enemy again will hit your mind and tell you these things. And those things and that thing. And before long, we're all confused. Get into the Word and say, Lord, speak to my heart. God will speak to you and me. And He'll reveal truth. And the truth is set us free. Believe God for this hour because there's still time. doesn't make any difference how old you are, how young you are, or where you are in your walk with Christ. If you believe He's coming back soon, Lord give me a refocus my heart I've been focusing too much on the world the Bible actually says if you love the world then actually you're an enemy of God get the world out of us and let us get out of our comfort zone and let us give our hearts totally to Jesus Christ and to walk as Jesus walked you believe that you can walk in his power and his strength. It's there for the asking. Let's pray together. Father, bless this congregation. Bless every person here. And Lord, as we spoke these things, we believe them. You're coming back. And we pray today, we do exactly what we're told to do, whatever it may be, but help us keep focused upon the fact, the reality, that people are lost and going out to eternity without Jesus Christ. Help us to labor in pain, just like the church there in Thessalonica. Help us to labor, dear Lord. Help us to realize our primary calling is to be ministers unto the Lord, ministers of the gospel, ministers to one another. Help us to realize that and help us to walk in that every day. And you take care of the needs, Lord, if you would, please. And take care of us and guide us. Wherever he leads, I will follow. Wherever he leads, I will follow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.